our Father and our God. We thank you this morning for yet another opportunity to preach your word. We thank you for our hearts already. So if you will breathe on us now, God will be mindful to give you all the honor and the glory. Illuminate our hearts and minds. Show us what we haven't seen. Open it to us, God, afresh. Give us preaching power and preaching permission that preaching may be done. Lord, I'm empty, but if you fill me, I'll pour out what you put in. So use me, Lord, one more time. That these, your servants, may be better men and women when they leave here. name of Jesus, let it be so, for your sake and your kingdoms. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, beginning at verse 34. Acts chapter 10. So glad to see Sister Beverly home. Amen. We missed you. Amen. 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 We're always glad when you're here and your granddaughter's with you, I believe. Amen. And Brother Will, I believe, is your name. Amen. Brother Will accepted Christ this morning in new members. Amen. Turn these off. Amen. Thank you so much. Isn't God good? Somebody yell out, go ahead, Will. <laughs> Amen. Wonderful day. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. For our visitors who are here, I'd like to welcome you to the New Beginnings Community Baptist Church. Amen. One of 500 churches in the Fresno metropolitan area. And you could have been in either one of them, but we are glad that you are here with us. Amen. We are an expository teaching and preaching church. And that simply means that we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible. Books and chapters at a time. Family? And this morning, our exegetical work has us in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. So please look on with us. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, that word you know. For it was proclaimed through all of Judea, and it began from Galilee, after the baptism which John had preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are all witnesses of the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly 
not to all the people, but to witnesses that were chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And to him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues, and they magnified God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water, that these should not be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few more days. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is the closing of our series titled, A Soldier That God Could Use. This is the third sermon in that series, and I want to subtitle this, The sermon that changed everything. The sermon that changed everything. In today's sermon, family, it's an actual reflection of a sermon that was preached by one of the greatest preachers in the New Testament. Peter was his name. And this sermon is important because it actually opened the door to the Gentile church. In fact, it's because of this sermon, Reverend Brown, that non-Jewish people came to believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, this sermon matters because preaching turned the light on in a dark world. Can I get a witness in here? This sermon matters because preaching is God's method to save humanity. The sermon matters because our story reveals that God wanted to save Cornelius and his family. And he chose to do it through the preaching of Simon Peter. Now, Luke, in writing this story, breaks down for us one of the greatest barriers of our day. It was the prejudice and racial hatred between the Jews and the Gentiles that God was after. And God used preaching to tear down that petition. Tell somebody preaching still matters. Can I tell you, family, today that the gospel is still the only thing that breaks down racial barriers in the neighborhood? The gospel is the only thing that can bring peace where there is confusion. The gospel is the only thing that can make crooked things straight. The gospel is the only thing that can bring true reconciliation. And the gospel is still the only thing that can change an evil heart. This is why the sermon matters. Can I say it like I feel it? 
Our country is in trouble and in turmoil today. There's a lot of marching. There's a lot of cussing. There's a lot of hollering. But ain't no preaching. Are you listening here? We can holler, we can march, and we can cuss till we blew in the face. But it's not until the gospel is preached that wicked hearts will be transformed. Tell somebody, put a little preaching in it. I got three points today and I'm going to get on out of your way. Number one, why the sermon matters is because there's revelation in the message. You got that point? There's revelation in the message. Number two, why the sermon matters is because there's revelation of the Messiah. And number three, why the sermon matter is there's revelation or there's resurrection and a miracle. Why the sermon matters, there's resurrection and a miracle. Can I give them to you again, students? Number one, there's revelation in the message. There's the revelation of the Messiah. And then there's the resurrection and a miracle. Here we go, revelation and the message. Verse 34, you got to say, I'm on your side, Reverend. Then Peter, the text says, Brother Robert, opened his mouth and he said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. When you come to this portion of the lesson, Simon has been summoned by Cornelius to come and preach to his family about the word of God. And Peter comes with a heart problem. On last week, I told you that he had a dream of a sheep that came down and it had some unclean animals in it. God was trying to get him to see that what God has called clean, he's not to call unclean. And I closed the sermon by telling you, Peter didn't have a food problem. He had a racial problem. He was a racist to his heart, and God was trying to get him to see that God had a plan for all of humanity. So when God gets into Cornelius' house, Cornelius now begins to tell him why God sent for Peter to come and preach to them. And then Peter opens his mouth. Did y'all catch that then? And he said, I perceive that God does not have partiality. In other words, when we arrive at the first portion of the text, Peter himself understands God's plan for humanity. And he's clear that the God of the scriptures does not show favorites. Y'all catch that right there? When it comes to humanity, just because he came through the Jews didn't mean he didn't have a plan for the Gentiles. Tell somebody, your God ain't racist. The second thing we see in the text is that God has a standard for who he will accept. Look at verse uh, 40, 35. But in every nation, watch this, he says, whoever fears him, whoever fears God and works righteousness is accepted by him. Y'all get that right there? In other words, Peter understands that God will accept any nation that fears him and that will work the works of righteousness. Can I put my own two cents in it right here? It doesn't matter if they're from Africa or Canada, Asia or from South America. God don't have no favorites. 
Hey, help me, Holy Ghost. Just a little while. He loved the white man just like he loved the black man. He loved the fat man just like he loved the skinny man. Come on, talk to me. There ain't no favorites in the economy or in the heart of God. And that's worth you coming today. The third thing I see in the text is that we see the revelation of the message. The revelation of the message is that Christ came to preach. You see that there? Yeah. To preach peace to all of mankind. That's why Christmas is so important. I didn't say this at 8 o'clock, but can I put my Christmas commercial in? Yeah. This season is about Jesus coming to preach to humanity. Yeah. Don't get twisted with all the sales. Come on, talk to me. This, is, this month is about God's preacher coming to earth yeah. to yeah. preach the good news of salvation. Yeah. I like this. Peter says, the word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, that he is the Lord of all, and that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and from beginning in Galilee after the preaching of John the Baptist. Yes. The revelation of the message is that Christ came to bring the shalom of God to earth, to preach peace to men. Yes. Now when I look at this thing, I see three things that give us insight into the life of Peter's sermon that day. Sister Morgan, as a soldier that God could use, Peter's message was, first of all, clear, concise, and it opened up the revelation about the plan of God. Can I say that again? It was clear, it was concise. And it opened up the plan or the revelation of God about God's plan for man. In other words, if you and I are going to be good soldiers for Christ, then we too ought to preach like this. We too ought to make sure that when we're sharing about the gospel, it's clear. It's concise. Are you with me here? And it reveals God's plan for humanity. Can I give you a cheat sheet on preaching today? A great sermon to remember is John 3.16. Come on, help me, y'all. For God so loved the world that he, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have. That's a good sermon. That'll preach anywhere. Come on, talk to me. It's clear. It's concise, and it gives you the revelation of God's plan. Ask your neighbor, you ought to preach that sometime. You ought to preach that. That's the revelation of Peter's message. Now look with me, point number two, the revelation of the Messiah. Y'all got it right there? Look at verse 38. He says this in his sermon. He says that, now, how God appointed, or rather anointed, Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and hearing all and healing all, rather, who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. In verse 39, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Ah, help me, Holy Ghost. Just a little while. When we come to this second portion of Peter's sermon, we see Peter point uh, the gathering crowd 
to the Messiah. You can't stand right there. In his sermon, he ain't preaching about nobody else but Jesus. Can I help you right there? When you share the gospel, it ain't about grandma and them. It ain't about how bad you used to be. It ain't about what your pastor said. It's about Jesus. Am I making sense here? The revelation is on the Messiah. Why? Ain't no power in no other name. Am I making sense here? Notice what else he says. He says that God the Father anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. In other words, Peter was saying Jesus ain't like no other man. He's unlike any other teacher. He's unlike any other prophet. And he was endowed with a special power that was God's power. You know, Muhammad can't hold a leaf to Jesus. Buddha can't hold nothing to Jesus. Mahatma Gandhi can't hold nothing to Jesus. Martin Luther King can't hold nothing to Jesus. Come on, talk to me. There's no other personality in human history that can hold a finger to Jesus. There's something about that name. And when he's preaching his message, he makes sure to illuminate that name. (laughs) Uh, Can I say it like I feel it? He said, man, that name had power. God anointed him with so much power, he ran the devil. He healed people who were oppressed by the underworld. He set them free. He healed them because God had anointed him to do so. Hey, help me, Holy Ghost. Mahatma Gandhi never ran the devil. Buddha ain't known for giving sight to the blind, hearing to the dead. Am I making sense here? Only Jesus has that resume. I think I'll stop and wallow right there for a minute. Here's a great discussion piece for when you're arguing with those people who don't believe that Jesus is God. Ask you to see their Savior's resume. And have them do the comparison test. Did y'all write that down? Whoever they claim to worship, just lay your Savior's resume next to his. And let the God power be the test. Am I making sense there? He said he went about doing good. Healing people and delivering the oppressed. The third thing I see in here is that he mentions that he himself was an eyewitness. Did you catch that right there? In other words, he saw it all. And he saw him do things everywhere he went. So there is a place in your sermon where you testify. Ah, thank you, Lord. But it only comes after you've exalted the Messiah. Your testimony ought not be about you. It ought to be about what you saw him do to you. Am I talking to somebody today? Trying trying to help you get your sermon right today. Now, in Peter's revelation of the Messiah, guess what else he does? He includes the death and the resurrection in the message. You've heard me say this before. Remember the preachers have. The sermon is incomplete if you don't tell him he died. 
it is still incomplete if you tell him he died, but you leave him in the grave. Am I making sense here? Peter in this sermon says he died, but <laughs> his daddy rose him back to life. We hear a lot of times, uh, Dr. Christian, we hear a lot of times in the sermon that early Sunday morning he rose from the dead. And that's true. But the biblical accurate truth is early Sunday morning the father raised him back to life. Shoot, if you're going to preach it, preach it right. Amen? When I look at this text, Peter is simply making sure, Sister Wilson, that his hearers get to meet the one he's come to know and love. So in his sermon, he's making sure that the Messiah is properly represented and that all who hear him truly know him. Can I say it some more? A good soldier, Brother Johnny, good to see you, will also do this. A good soldier will make sure that Jesus is properly represented when they tell the story. A good soldier will make sure that Christ's power is on display when the story is being told. A good soldier will make sure that the atoning death of the Messiah is at the heart of the story when they are sharing the good news. That's why in New Beginnings it's unacceptable to preach about anything else other than Jesus. Come on, talk to me. Am I telling you here? It's unacceptable for you to make it up when you've been taught to look it up. Amen, amen, amen. Let me give you my third point. The revelation of the miracle. This one really rattled my cage. So we looked at the revelation of the message, the revelation of the Messiah. Now let's look at the revelation of the miracle. Are you ready? As the pilots say, put your seatbelt on. We're about to hit a little turbulence. Bible says in verse 40, that it was him that God raised up on the third day. And he showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses that were chosen before by God. Even to those who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. Verse 43, and to him all the prophets witnessed that, that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Here in the message, daughter Marley, Peter includes the truth of the revelation of the resurrection. As I mentioned earlier, he said that God the Father raised him up, right? And God chose Jesus and put his power on display through him so that all who would believe on him would be saved. Can I park that right there for a minute? You know, Buddhism doesn't teach that. (coughs) Buddhism teaches that you can find a pathway for salvation. And that salvation is in many different things. Islam teaches that you need to work in order to prove yourself to God. Catholicism is based on your works in order for God to save you. In fact, the deciding factor between religions in the world is usually faith and works. 
everything else in the universe is about working to please or obtain God's favor. Christianity is about believing by faith that Jesus can save you. Am I making sense here? Peter is clear in his sermon. And I want you to be clear this week when you go out into a pagan world to try to explain the gospel. You don't have to be afraid. Just be clear. The second thing we see in this text is that God does a miracle. What do you mean, Pastor? He says that Jesus... Yes. Being anointed by God to do what he did, the Father raised him back to life, is now the judge of the living and the dead. Can I help you here? Tell your neighbor, you can't judge me. Old Tupac had it right. But guess what? He's going to get judged. Your neighbor can't judge you, but there's one who will. Come on in here, somebody. Somebody getting mad because somebody judging you. Well, you better get right. Are you listening here? Because there is a living judge, and he's going to examine your life. Your life is the record, and he's going to examine every area of your life. Then, as I keep looking at the text, the miracle in the text, watch this now is that God calls fallen men to preach this message. Can I say some more? Look at verse 42. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that Jesus is ordained by God. The miracle in this, Brother Alex, is that God commands fallen people with all of their issues to go and preach to people. Ah, I'm going to spend some more time there. It, it messed me up. See, the, that, that's the miracle that the God of heaven and earth had given in the text. That God would choose men to preach to men. Okay, I missed you. Uh, here I come. God chose liars to preach to liars. Prisoners to preach to prisoners. Thieves to preach to thieves. Racists to preach to racists. Haters to preach to haters. Y'all in here yet? Your preacher got some problems just like you do. And the miracle is that God commanded us to testify that he ordained Jesus to be the judge of the living and the dead. Can I help that person who's struggling in between churches? You can't find the right church because there's something wrong with everybody. That's because you in that category too. Wherever you land, there's going to be something wrong with people. Because there's something wrong with you every morning you wake up. If you're looking for a messenger that ain't got no mess, then the two don't go together. I'm a mess in general. I was a mess when I got up here and I'm going to be up when I sit down but because I'm up it don't quite disqualify me from preaching the message 
call myself. The truth is he called me because I got mess in me. He uses the messy to talk to the messy. Now ask your neighbor, is he talking to you? The miracle is that he commissioned us. Can I say some more? He didn't ask us. He commissioned us. <laughs> Just in case y'all missed it, Peter is a racist. But he finds himself now having to preach to those he despised. Because he's been commissioned by God. Can I help you here? You got to talk to your haters, y'all. You've been commissioned by God to talk to the ones you hate. Somebody who feel me, just say, help me, Holy Ghost. I got some more. Are you ready? Y'all ain't ready. Are you ready? The miracle is that God can use unfaithful people, ungrateful people, unkind people. Am I on your roll yet? Unreliable people. Unthankful people, untrustworthy people. That's the miracle that God would trust you with all of your issues to be a witness for Him in the earth. Now you know that's a miracle. Can I say some more? It's a miracle that I'm a messenger. It's a miracle that I've been chosen by God. It's a miracle that God will put his treasure in a broken vessel like this. It's a miracle that you've been chosen by God. It's a miracle that God can use you in spite of you. It's a miracle, Brother Deacons, that God will put the gospel treasure in people like us. After all that you've done. All that you have said. Here I come. All the places you've been. All the things and the lies you told. It's a miracle that God would still commission you to preach and to testify about what he was doing in the earth through his son Jesus. Fourthly, when I look at this text, Another miracle in the text is that he would use prophets. See, the prophets had never seen the works of Christ. They only foresaw what he was going to do. And in foreseeing him, they never knew him. They never heard him, never read his words. They only had a foretaste of what was to come. But the miracle was that they believed what they heard. And what God had impressed on them and they preached it. In other words, they foresaw his coming. They foresaw his ministry. They foresaw what the father wanted him to do in the earth. And they believed it without ever seeing it. We get to look back and see what he did. We've got the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. The miracle was they didn't even have the spirit of God. Are you with me here? But they trusted what they felt God was impressing upon their heart. What a miracle. Well, I'm through preaching. I know some of y'all looking at your watch like, what, already? <laughs> yeah, because y'all got to go with me at 3 o'clock. 
but the text says, while Peter was still speaking, y'all catch that? While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit (laughs) fell on those who heard the word. Don't lose me through here because this is very important. And those of the circumcision who had came with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had now been poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speak with tongues and they magnified God. Let me unpack that. As we close the sermon, we see that Peter's sermon, Reverend Mason, it ends in power. Uh, In other words, after he finished preaching, the sermon, the heavens opened. And God's power fell on the hearers. And this is interesting because in Acts chapter 2, the same preacher preaching the same message has the same results. (laughs) He preaches and the spirit of God falls on the people. In the case of Acts, they were waiting and praying and the Holy Spirit fell and then he preached. Okay, okay. But now that he has the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, he preaches the similar message and now the spirit of God falls on the Gentiles just like he fell on the Jews I like this right here I like this because because Simon now knows God loved people of color too and the same God that indwells the Jews is also now ready to indwell the people of color can I say some more Preaching that God is pleased with always conclude with a demonstration of his power. Y'all catch that? Preachers, hear me. The sermon must have power. Preaching that God can use is always followed up with a change in the lives of the people. Uh, uh, Preaching that God can use ought to rattle your cage. It ought to do something to your heart. It ought to do something to your mind. You ought to leave church learning something. Your life should be different. Can I say some more? And I recognize why the gospel did what it did in Cornelius' home. He was waiting with anticipation. Remember, he was waiting on God to come and speak to him. And guess what? I found out why people leave church of Brother Anthony the same way they came in. Because they come in with no expectation. Might as well sit in the car. You didn't want nothing anyway. Might as well keep your messy self at home. If you didn't come to have your life changed, might as well keep on doing what you're doing out there. Why waste a good Sunday morning in here when you didn't want nothing in the first place? Why take up somebody else's seat? Sit out in the lobby. Just go on over to Starbucks and do what you do. Come in here with an expectation. And I guarantee you, you'll leave here with some fire. something then you will sure walk out with something 
Guess what preaching is? It's didactic. Are you with me here? If you don't put nothing in, you don't get nothing out. Am I talking to you today? Help me, Holy Ghost. Just a little while. Cornelius was waiting on God to do something in his heart. And as a result, when Peter showed up to preach, he got something out the message. I tell you, this was a sermon that mattered. It was a message that mattered. Because it was about the Messiah who mattered. And it revealed the resurrection which matters. Now listen, this is a miracle from God that the Gentiles will receive the Holy Spirit. I like it here and I got to quit. But I want you to know this. That uh, the Holy Spirit falling on them and giving them the ability to speak with other languages is not a requirement for having God in your life. Are y'all with me here? It was faith in the message preached that invited God into their lives. God chose to use them, watch this now, in the proclamation of the word. And that's why the gift that lands on them is the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is used to announce the good news of Jesus Christ. Just like he fell in Acts chapter 2, he gave them the ability to speak to multiple nations about the gospel of God. Here you see the Gentiles, hey, with the same commission and the same gift to carry the gospel to the ends of the world. They would have no excuse about who they could talk to because God gave them the ability to speak multiple languages. Am I talking to you here? Gifts come from God. And last time I checked, he gives to each believer a different gift. And that gift is to be used for the edifying of the body so that the gospel can be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. I don't want nobody leaving here confused. Talking about because you don't speak in tongues, you know, you ain't saved. No, you are saved by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit rest in the believer and the Holy Spirit says which gift you get am I making sense to you I have the gift of preaching and teaching I don't have the gift of healing I don't have a lot of other gifts but that that I do have I'm trying to use to the fullest of my ability well I'm through preaching here but I'm glad today Peter closes out the text uh, with some good news after he sees God's movement in their life first thing he says in verse 47 is there anybody here that can see any reason why these Gentiles can't be baptized they received the spirit just like we have and, and they need now to follow God in the continuous act of, yeah, their obedience. 
Notice this in verse 48. Luke says that he commanded them. You see that right there? To be baptized. In other words, it wasn't an option. It was a natural follow-up and byproduct of their salvation. Oh, yeah. Because they were now saved. Brother Aaron, uh, they were now candidates for water baptism. And I'm glad right there. Because it gives us, as good Baptists, yes, reason to understand why we baptize. See, uh, we don't baptize children because it's cute and they ought to do it for church membership. No, we don't baptize people because they think there's good luck in the water. We baptize people after they made a decision to follow God as their Savior. I'm so glad today that Peter commanded them to obey. And in the ordinance of baptism, there is a command. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus as your Savior, then you're commanded by God to be baptized in the water. And here's why, here's why, here's why. You're baptized as an outward sign of obedience. See, as Christ was baptized into his death, and he was raised back to life by the Father. The believer follows the example of Christ. And we get baptized into Christ. And we're raised to the newness of life. I'm glad right there. And if I was a sinner today, I would run to the altar this morning. And I do what Cornelius and them did. I believe God sent Jesus as his son to die on the cross for my sins. I would believe he descended into hell and the Father raised him back to life. And I would believe that I need to follow him into the waters of baptism. I'm closing now, but I'm glad that sermons still matter. I'm glad that preaching ain't outdated. I'm glad somebody stopped by the Los Padrinos Juvenile Hall and they preached to me the good news of salvation. Is there anybody here that love to hear some preaching? Is there anybody here that knows there's power and proclamation? I'm closing now, but just the other day, I heard some students say they would come to chapel, but he preaches too much, and people don't want preaching. They want conversation. When I stop by to tell you, conversation wasn't on God's radar. When God got ready to save humanity, he chose the foolishness of preaching. I got evidence. 
Preaching it! 
still matters. The sun is still 